And hello, welcome to episode eight of the Elevated Life podcast. I'm Noelle Carter, and today I have a special guest joining us, Terry Tillert, and he is an expert in natural healing, detoxification, nutrition, uh, cancer, and basically he has a PhD in natural medicine. And he does speaking engagements and classes and seminars on natural healing. He's been featured in I Can Cure Cancer. Am I saying that right, Terry? Uh, yeah, I Cure Cancer Part 2. I Cure Cancer Part 2, which is, th that was a, a documentary on healing cancer. And yes. uh, Terry's basically an expert on healing. He has a really uh, fantastic approach to teaching his information, which is really aligned with my beliefs, uh, getting to the, you know, really simplifying it and explaining how simple healing can be. So today, um, I'm very excited because we're going to talk about how our beliefs and our mindset affect the healing process. Uh, a thousand percent and how when we get our mindset and beliefs right then I believe anything is possible as far as healing goes however if the opposite is true and we don't get our mindset and our beliefs right uh, healing it can be very difficult to achieve um, so we're gonna just get started talking about this topic and hopefully uh, this adds a lot of value for you today and so Terry uh, you know, I want to ask you when you're, when, what types of people, uh, do you generally work with, uh, you know, what, what types of issues would you say most people are facing when they come to you for help? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I, I really appreciate the, the kind words and the introduction and, I, and I'm excited to be here. I'm hoping we can uh, impart some value on people's lives. You know, people come to me, uh, uh, cancer seems to be my, you know, my, my wheelhouse or my claim to fame. I mean, I spoke across North America on the subject. There's the, there's the documentary. It's a subject I've always had a passion for. But I've also helped people with, you know, weight loss and pain and, and you know, pretty much any health problem you can name because, you know, at the end of the day, every dis-ease has far more in common than it does in difference uh, because, you know, healing, healing is the goal at the end of the day, regardless of the diagnosis. So that's what I, I like to focus on, just helping people deal with the fundamentals primarily. And, you know, on the subject of, of, you know, mindset and everything, I think the biggest problem that I see just to get, just to kick things off, I guess if I'll add something into the ring is that there is just a deep lack of self-love that is going on. It happens both on the conscious and on the conscious, uh, conscious and subconscious levels. And without self-love, there's just, it, it's almost impossible to help people. There's a, there's a subconscious program in their minds that leads them to choose, uh, you know, self-destruction and self-sabotage almost the same way a child picks their favorite brand. Even if the, the branding of, of XYZ cartoon character has nothing to do with with the product, they still align with the brand. And a lot of people subconsciously align with choosing more and more suffering and body abuse in their lives. And uh, that, that's really the pattern that I find the, the biggest and primary thing to overcome. I mean, there's lots of other issues that we can talk about, but I think that's uh, an important issue. So I'll stop there. No, so that's great, Terry. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, I mean, um, that's, 
it's that's a big bullet point like it should be highlighted in yellow is self-love and i i one of the first questions i'll ask people is why have you been so abusive to yourself over the years why have you uh not honored your body at all why haven't you nurtured or nourished your body what is going on that you have you know caused so much you know kind of suffering to your one and only body and that's a very um intense question you know that's very profound for people to have to think about uh is what are because you know we're we go through life so unconscious most of us at periods of especially during certain periods of our life uh, before maybe we know any better that you know to actually think about that question is why don't you love yourself why aren't you why why are you beating yourself up like this literally literally and figuratively uh, so once I think once somebody can start thinking about the answers to that question they can take a first step to uh the a first necessary step towards a, a positive healing process oh it, it's it, i mean you have you have to face that in the mirror first yeah. You have to ask yourself, what, what do you deserve? What do you believe you truly deserve? Because at the end of the day, usually the results people have in their life are, you know, equal in relation to what they subconsciously really believe they deserve. And they don't, most people don't believe they deserve that much. Um, and that's why a lot of them have, you know, very impotent goals for the future. Because if they had big goals for the future or some form of goals for the future, even if they're not big, maybe they don't have this big masterpiece life all carved out for themselves. And that's fine. I don't believe that everyone needs to have one. Everyone probably should, but they don't need to have one. You can live a good, simple life, but you can also live that good, simple life without abusing yourself and constantly being on the slow kill. I mean, people are killing themselves more than any, I mean, that's what they're doing daily basis with their fork. I yeah. mean, I get that we all want to eat for pleasure to some degree. I mean, we're all human and there's nothing wrong with making some of your choices pleasure-based. No one's saying you have to live perfect, but why can't you also simultaneously make some choices that, that nourish you, that serve you? Does every meal have to be about entertainment or can the majority of your meals be about fuel and fit in some meals for entertainment in your lifestyle. Why can't you do that? And it comes down to, A, what do you believe is possible for, for you now and what do you deserve? And also, what do, you, what do you want out of the future? Do you believe you can have anything better? Yeah, and not only that, it's kind of, um, it's kind of endless the different things people do to beat up on themselves or the opposite of self-love you know it's it's endless that list of things uh from what we eat of course to um what we do what we think how we behave you know how we allow people to love us or how we love um you know drugs excess alcohol just all of it, it just so many things we do that we become almost addicted to negative behaviors that don't serve us. So like, I think, I think a great, I think one of uh, the best first steps is uh, looking at all the, the behaviors or things that add value to your life 
And then also looking at the things that add no value to your life. Kind of putting it in two columns. I have people do this a lot. You know, what, what are the things that you, right off the top of your head, could name that add value to your life today that are benefiting you, that are positive, that are enriching, that are make you feel good? What are those things? And then what are the things that are the opposite of that? You know, harmful, uh, self-destructive, unhealthy, uh, painful. It's, you know, and uh, I'm sure you know a lot of people like this, Terry. There's a lot of people really addicted to drama and negative behavior. That's, self, that's just as self-destructive as eating a carton of ice cream, um, you know, in one sitting, in my opinion. Yeah, sure. It's it's huge. I mean, people are extremely addicted to the drama. They seek it out. They create it. They create it when it's not there. They invent it around other people. If people are uh, too loving and accepting of them or allow them to be themselves just a little too much and, and still don't take any, any love away or any acceptance away from them, they almost need to create drama with that person because they don't even feel worthy of that acceptance. Yeah, you know? yeah that's so. exactly true. Or you know the person that something's always wrong. And if something isn't wrong, they're going to find that one thing to talk about. There's just something exasperating going on all the time. And when you call them to check in, they're like, I'm so busy. I can't even handle it. I have so much going on. You're not going to believe what happened. And, you know, right? Yeah, we have a culture that celebrates busyness as if it were some kind of you know, triumph or yeah. reward, like, like a badge of honor somehow. If I yeah. could just fill my schedule with so much yeah. shit, and that's what they do. I mean, yeah. this is why they do it. And I know some people intimately well who, who keep themselves busy 24-7 a day and the reason why they do it is because they need a 24-7 distraction to prevent themselves from looking on the inside and looking in the mirror at their life and coming to grips and acceptance with with their past and all this stuff and they believe that the, t the, the, the torture the stress of the busyness is also something that they deserve yeah and uh, well that's true too or it's like almost like um, I always say you're never gonna get a gold medal for doing more in a day like there's no scorecard at the end where that goes, you won, you won. You, you, you stayed busy every second of your life. You raced through life like it's a marathon. You piled a hundred things on your plate every day. You were always, always, always stressed out 24 hours a day. That person is, as we know, isn't going to live that long anyway. But, but to whenever they're at the end of the road is, there, there's no medal. There's no reward. You didn't do any better than someone else because of how busy and how stressed out you stayed. So well, you might as well learn how to calm down and enjoy things before you get there. Well, I fully agree. And, I, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that um, since life is not a race, it's not a marathon, and since our subconscious runs our entire life just about and we're all governed by rituals, you can look at any person's life and the majority of their life is so set on a clockwork schedule whether they intend to or not because they do the identical things at all times. And since we're all going to be subject to that to a large degree, my question is, why don't you deliberately make some time for some healthy rituals? Mm -hmm. See, I get busy like all other humans, but a lot of my busyness is fulfilling 
rituals that serve me that I will not compromise on or very seldomly. They (laughs) add benefit to your life. They add to your health. They add to your well-being. They add to your happiness. I mean, why wouldn't you want to put your time in those areas? Exactly. That's where you want to put your time. If you're going to have a ritual, I mean, why not work out? I mean, there's so many of these half-hour workout programs now that are, you know, world-class and extremely well-designed. And I, you know, I like to remind people of this is 2% of your day. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've gone up and on and off and on and off and on and off, you know, on roller coasters uh, with different varying levels of consistency with my workouts. Like all other humans, I'm human. I mess up. I break the pattern. And then, you know, all of a sudden I'm not working out near as much as I'd like. And then I get in other patterns where I'm working out, you know, consistently. But what I'm always trying to do is ritualize it and then re-ritualize it and re It's 2% of my day. And it totally serves me. How can I not be finding time for something that is self-loving and gives me energy and health and I'm so important? Yeah, and it produces great hormones as a result. You just have so many great hormones just as a result of one little workout that will only add to your mood and your outlook and your your position for the rest of the day. Um, So let's talk. So you talk about self-love you know, believe as, as a form of, you know, as something you would ask somebody, you know, it's kind of a first place to start. Um, with, you know, what's another part of, what's another aspect to that self-love? Once you kind of establish that the person you're working with obviously hasn't been focusing on a lot of self-love because I have to say I've noticed People who tend to stay chronically ill for long periods of time uh, don't do a lot to, to nurture themselves. Um, it's, and it's not a coincidence. They just generally have never taken time to really take care of themselves. Um, and so people who are chronically ill, that, that tends to be the category they're in. They're not really showing a lot of self-love or honoring themselves. So what do you say next to somebody who says, you know, you're right. I haven't been showing any self-love. I've basically been abusive to myself. I really do want to make a change now. What's the next step mentally for that person? Well, what I try and get them thinking about, because I I, I think you touched on a, a good point earlier about, you know, if you can try and confront someone with a big mirror (laughs) early on in a conversation. People are very, very scared of that mirror. But at the end of the day, I I, I try and get people to at least go down that train of thought of what is it that you deserve and why do you believe you deserve it? So if you are living this terrible existence and have all these poor outcomes, health is just one department of life, but it's a big department. So you're dealing with all these terrible health problems that are constantly, you know, reducing your quality of life. Why do you believe you deserve that? Deep down inside, subconsciously, why do you believe you deserve that? And I've got some, you know, these are conversations we can have in future uh, conference calls, some deep, deep layers of where this programming comes into their subconscious at an institutional level, teaching them that they're bad and they're broken and that they deserve these kinds of things. But but I'm always curious about why they think there is. They've got to be some in some level they've internalized that they deserve this. Because let's face it, people who follow you and I on social media or any other platform, 
Uh, no, with a high degree of certainty, maybe not 100% because, you know, they haven't experienced it, but they know at, at some reasonable level that we can make an improvement in their health, that we're sitting right they're waiting for them, that we have answers, that we've done it for other people, that we can do it for them, and yet they choose to persist in pain. And people say, well, maybe they don't have the resources or the, well, there's always a claim to resources. But the truth is that resourcefulness is the real issue. It's not a lack of resources. People always find money for their priorities. They spend $4 a day on their cell phone bill, but if you talk to them about 50 cents a day for clean water, it's like, it's like, I mean, you, you, it's like you told them to give up everything. <laughs> it's 50 cents a day, but you spend eight times more on a cell phone bill. And what do you do with your cell phone? For the average person, they play games on the damn thing and gossip on it. Um, so, I mean, why do they persist in pain when they're sitting there knowing someone has solutions? Why do they follow people on social media every day that they know can help them and then they don't change? Subconsciously, they either A, don't believe it's possible, but I think a part of them also knows that it is possible. <laughs> uh, so it boils down to why, why do they believe they deserve such a you know, crappy subpar existence? Well, um, so when, if somebody says, wow, you know what, I'm so, I'm, I feel like I'm so far gone. I have so many bad habits, so many negative beliefs about myself. I just feel like I don't even know where to begin. And um, what would you say to them? What, what would you say to kind of, you know, maybe console them or encourage them? What would you say to them at that point? Because I've, I've heard those things from people, you know, I've really heard, I, I'm sure, and I know you have spoken to very discouraged people, because when you're not feeling good and especially when you're not feeling good for long periods of time it's very depressing and discouraging and almost like people don't even know how to get out of their own way well i, I agree with that but i remind them like i give them a i give them examples because people are inspired by stories and it bypasses the subconscious mind mm -hmm. so the message gets heard so you know i, I tell stories of people who've had extreme arthritis for example let's take, just take a pain example who've had extreme lifetime arthritis that have felt better within days not perfect but better a lot better within a matter of days you know one of my, i think of back to one of my friends you know she she they, they were thinking about getting wheelchair access into the home in her early wow. 40s wow. and and within four days she was feeling good and then shortly after that she was back to physical activity and then she won gym member of the year wow. and then and then they're gone hiking and they hike and live a completely normal life and she goes back to the arthritis uh, doctor that she'd been seeing for 12 or 15 years or something like that. And he says, listen, I've run every test there is. There's zero sign or trace that you've ever had arthritis. But take arthritis and fill in the blanks. The same story is true of cancer and many others. Now, yeah. the cancer is a longer journey to healing, but, but you can still feel better in a short period of time. You may not be in perfect health, but you'll feel better very quick. You could feel better by, by fasting in a weekend. Anyone who's ever done it will tell you that you're 72 hours away from feeling a hell of a lot better. It's so true. 
Uh, so 72 hours is, 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 you're only 72 hours away from feeling a whole lot better if you listen to me and I'll give you three different options even and you'll still feel better in 72 hours. So that's my first words. thing. Yeah, truer words have not been, never been spoke, more spoken or however that goes. That's very Yeah, true. right. Yeah. And, and then the next thing I do is I, I like to send, you know, one of the videos in my, in my cancer program that I put people in front of is from uh, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who, who I've, I've gotten the privilege to meet and go out for uh, some, some food uh, and drinks with him. And it was great man. And uh, anyway, I was at one of his uh, more advanced seminars. And, um, and, and I just, I love the guy. I love the work that he's doing. It's all about trying to reprogram the subconscious. How do you do it in real practical terms? And he's got, he also wrote a book called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Because you talked a minute ago in your question about people have had these really long established negative rituals that are destroying yeah. their lives. Yeah. And they have a hard time disassociating from it. So I like to send, put people in front of Joe's video. He said, you know, you're saying to me, he's got this video, it's about 12 minutes long. It's, uh, you know, it's an idea around breaking the habit of being yourself. And his, he's saying, well, listen, you, you want a completely different result. You want to be somebody completely different, but you're doing everything identical. So your subconscious mind is totally governed by one of the things that it's totally governed by is your external environment. He says, so you... You know, a part of the video says, you know, you wake up in the morning and you take a sip of coffee out of this, your favorite coffee mug <laughs> at the exact same time and the alarm clock goes off and then you scurry off to the bathroom at the exact same time and you do your business. And then you put your same house coat on and then you say hi to the kid and you, you, you go through this whole series of rituals that are identical, identical every single day that are reconfirming your old identity to you non-stop and that environment is triggering off your subconscious back into autopilot and so yeah. if you want to be somebody different you've got to do something different you've got to break those pattern interrupts you know one of his most famous sayings that nerve cells that fire together wire together and nerve cells that no longer fire together no longer wire together and i've seen a, i've seen real brain imaging scans that were time-lapse of showing neural nets that start connecting when people are forming new habits and neural nets that completely come apart when people were breaking habits and no longer firing those cells. So nerve cells that no longer fire together, no longer wire together. And that's been proven like hard, visible evidence. And so if you want to be somebody different, you have got to be open to, to changing all things about who you are and how you're being, who you want to be. And so I like to put people in front of videos like that to show them that they need a new outcome. So you got late stage cancer and your doctor told you you're dying. So now you're, your identity metaphor is now that you're a dying person and you want to be really healthy. Well, you're going to have to start changing who you're being before you're going to experience something different. Yeah. I, I'll take a break there. Sorry. Yeah. Well, um, that was all very interesting. It's like, um, through the act of doing, um, because you know, as you know, most people are in, in stuck in their heads too much like um, overanalyzing things, just think, overthinking things, over worrying about things. And I want to talk, I want to talk about that in a second, the worry and the fear that, that basically drives people's lives. Worry and fear uh, drive people's lives is really what I see. And 
I spend a lot of time talking about fear and worry with people. And the first, you know, if you want to change negative behaviors or, or behaviors that don't serve you, you have to replace them with positive behaviors. So those rituals in the morning you just discussed that everybody goes through, you have to find replacement rituals for them and you have to put them into action because action is what starts to rewire and reprogram the brain. Thinking about things will not rewire and reprogram the brain. You need to put them into movement and action um, is what I believe. So if finding a replacement for that, that coffee mug and finding something that is warm and, but healthy, like warm water with lemon and um, starting your day first thing when you sit up in the morning by just before you even get out of bed, sitting there and taking in deep breaths and slow deep breaths, which will, instead of jumping out of bed like many people do and just with that adrenaline goes and their thoughts start going about all the things they need to do, it instantly, when you wake up, keeps the mind quiet and gives you some focus and clarity. And then lots of other really valuable rituals somebody can add into their morning that will start completely changing self-destructive ways to start the day into nurturing or nourishing ways to start the day that add to your life, that add to your health, that, that start to rewire and reprogram the brain. So such as, you know, um, the breathing and that just visualizing what you want for your day, as opposed to thinking about all the things you don't want for your day, because that's what people do. Oh gosh, I don't want to, I can't, I have to go to work and I don't want to do this. I'm going to have to deal with that person. I have to pay that bill and then I have to take my kid to school. And then I have to, so instead of thinking about all those things, start thinking about what do you want? If you could design your most perfect day, start visualizing and putting all your energy into that uh, in the first quiet mo moments of the morning. And not to say all those things will manifest, but you never know. So, and, and then slowly starting to design a day that feels good for yourself because people often feel powerless around how they, how they live their life or how they have their, how their day goes, you know, well, I have to be in the office nine hours and then I have to pick my kids up. And then I, so they feel very powerless that they have to be doing all these things, but they don't. It's always a choice. They can actually start to change the way their daily life looks. Instead of spending nine hours a day doing something you hate, you could start to slowly spend some of that time doing things you love um, and maybe even earning money from things you love. And those are the things we start to discuss um, and kind of in line with your, your wanting to t tell stories to uh, inspire people to make changes. Um, I, I like to do that too. And I like to just encourage them that there's always so many more opportunities and options for their daily life that will bring them so much health and happiness, you know? Uh, the, the, the options that are available to any given person are actually endless and limitless, especially over time. You know, people underestimate what they can do in a short time frame, uh, overestimate what they can do in a short time frame, but they underestimate what can be done in a one year, five years, 10 years, especially. They could change anything and everything about their life. They could own their time 100%. There, there's so many options that are available, but they have to exercise them. And we live in a, we live in a something for nothing culture and people need to get rid of that idea. You, you, you're not going to get something for nothing. That's not how the world works. If you want something different from life, you've got to go out and 
do something different. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to do, you have to do, you have to act on it. You have to, you have yeah, to take action. Well, you know, like, like if we take it back to the simple health example, if your morning rituals are about things that zap your energy and you do every one of those steps identical every morning and then you're expecting to have a very different, highly productive day uh, and, and you want to fix and tackle some of the messes in your life, but you start out your day with a disempowering, energy-zapping ritual. I mean, that's ridiculous. Do you want a better day? Totally change your morning ritual and start out with something that energizes you. Uh, I don't know, like a workout and fruit for breakfast or, you know, yeah. a green juice for breakfast or whatever yeah. that is. You do, something that, that ha gives you energy and fuels you and you broke the old habit just from the very and first thing you did in the day. The rest of the day could have a very different trajectory. And, your, and the energy in your cells totally changes. When the energy in your cells changes, your brain chemistry changes. And this is what people disassociate so really, I, you know what fascinates me is that people don't understand your, your brain is just another organ like the liver or the stomach. And your brain is only responding to the cellular energy in your body. So when you, at a cellular level, take in high energy food, thoughts, feelings, experiences, that that all those things start to add to rewire your beliefs to rewire your uh the negative i i hate saying negative but but the habits that don't serve you and it they start to to reprogram your your brain into wanting and craving and loving the habits that do serve you instead of craving the things that don't serve you that's what i meant to say well, you know, and, and people need to start being honest with themselves. You know, people lie to themselves just nonstop. They lie through justification. They, they just lie and lie and lie and lie to themselves yeah. all the time. Like, yeah. you are the leader of your life. Not Trump, not Hillary, not yeah. Bernie, not yeah. Bush, not, not Obama. You're the leader of your life. And the, there's three core fundamental principles of leadership. Number one is that you see things as they are. Not better, not worse. Number two, you have to develop a compelling future. And outside of that... Are you in the wind tunnel, Terry? No, I don't know. I'm hearing something really loud, but it's quiet here. Oh, it's somebody else's on the phone. Okay, that's better. This was... Uh, that's somebody who called in um to listen into the call and their their mic was active so that ah uh, gotcha you know, gotcha i didn't even realize that this would do that automatically so sorry about that i was wondering what all that background noise was i'm so sorry terry yeah that was that's okay that's i thought i thought maybe it was on your end i was like it's yeah. really quiet here i don't know yeah. where it's coming oh you're like oh okay <laughs> is she making a smoothie while we're talking okay yeah maybe all right <laughs> she's thirsty i like i like them too i get oh, it that's so funny yeah so that was a third that was somebody calling in right now to listen okay no worries uh, you know to me you being a leader in your life means first you see things as they are not better and not worse i mean you stop bullshitting yourself number two is you got to set a vision for what you want out of the future and then number three you've got to set a plan of action to make that future a reality with the key word being action <laughs> yeah. a plan of action what are you going to do uh, I mean, when you only do the easy things in life, you're going to have a very, very hard life. Yeah. Now, I wish people would get that. If you would just handle some of the hard again. stuff. Terry, yeah. 
Say that again. If you only do the really easy things in life, you're going to have a very, very hard life. But if yeah. you would just handle and tackle some of the hard things, you can have an easy life. And yeah, if, easy is hard. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Uh -huh. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. That's what makes your life hard. Me you know, mediocre is what makes it hard. If people haven't looked around and taken a, whatever country you're listening from, this is the same in probably all countries in 2017. All countries have a huge amount of poverty and unemployment and, and vary to varying degrees and levels, but the hustlers always find a way. People always say, well, it's the economy. It's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. It's Trump's fault. No, it's not, because in the same economy, there are people who are thriving. For all the sick people that are out there, yes, the system is completely, completely rigged to make you sick. But there are people who have thriving health within that same system. There are lots of people struggling financially, but Chris Saka went from broke to Bill Gates' wealth in, in about five years. So he's thriving in the same climate that you're struggling. And yeah. guess, do you think anyone thinks he did the easy things? Did he just do... Did he just do the easy things to make his life easy? No, he did some of the hard things to make his life easy and got it handled. So, I mean. so this is mindset. Once again, this is all mindset. So, and you know, I don't know if you're a, a fan of the law of attraction principles. I, or it, you know, I'm sure you are, even if it's not specifically law of attraction, it's probably very simple, uh, similar principles. Um, but law of attraction is, you know, just like where you put your energy, you're going to keep getting that in return. So our negative beliefs about ourselves or the, the negative beliefs about our health will just keep building and building and building and growing and growing and growing because that's where we're putting all our energy and attention. And the converse is true, which is where we put all our when we put our positive energy towards heal, uh, doing things that serve us, those little re replacing those little rituals every single day that are actually destructive and not healthy at all, replacing them with healthy things, that will bring more and more and more and more of that. And so your beliefs, your thoughts, your thinking, your words will keep bringing what you're putting out there. And that is very, very true when it comes to fear. And, and if we can, you know, unless you want to say something about that, I want to segue into the topic of uh, fear. Sure. I mean, the only thing I would add to the law of attraction is that, is that here's the problem with it. It becomes like adult baby problem in a way because a lot of people just want to think that they can wish about something for five seconds and right. they'll come. Like, I'm going right. to wish no. for a Ferrari and do nothing. Yeah, no, that's not it. It doesn't work like that. No, and, and you know what the quantum law has shown, because I'm really into quantum physics, what the quantum yeah. law has shown is that the thought, you know, as Joe says, the thought sends a signal out, but the feeling is what draws it back in. The problem is that only our conscious mind's only running less than 5% of the day, 95% is run by the subconscious, and the subconscious is vibrating fear and worry and old rituals and all that stuff, and we spend so little time focused on creating our future because we're just on autopilot in our normal day that we can't expect a different future because we spend so little time and energy. It's not that the law of attraction isn't working. It's just giving you exactly what's in 
the subconscious and exactly where your conscious mind does focus its energy and where your rituals end up focusing your time and energy. You're getting all of those things. It does work. The quantum law still applies. It's just that you need to rewire your subconscious and your rituals and get back to a conscious life and, and, and control all those elements for you to get something totally different. Oh, yes, completely. Law of attraction is not like, oh, I wish I, I, I got it in my mind. It's going to happen at all. But it's, I don't believe in it that way either. You really have to, um, you really have to put energy into action and, and you have to take steps towards what you want it. You can't just, it doesn't appear out of thin air. It's just not, not, not the way it happens. You have to work at it. And like you said, easy is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's the hard path in life. You know, if you, I'll tell you what, for the average person listening, the law of move your ass attraction is going to work a lot better than the wishing and sitting on your ass attraction law is going to work for you. I promise you. I promise you. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, the, uh, okay, so let, you know, touching on beliefs, um, you know, believing your body's capable of healing, believing you're, you're capable of anything, uh, you know, achieving, accomplishing anything you want in your life. That when you realize these things, I think it makes life so much more fun and exciting. When I, you know, I don't know, I'm going to ask you though, Terry, in a second, but when I was very, very young, probably around the age of seven or eight, I started feeling like, I was a really amazing manifester. Uh, I had a series of things happen in my own life that I, I wanted really badly, and then they would happen, and they were seemingly impossible things, and I'm not going to get into any of that. So at a very young age, I started feeling like, huh, I wonder if I can make anything happen that I want, and I just had these weird overs confidence as a kid, but also beliefs like I, and I don't know where they came from because I definitely didn't get them from anyone in my house. And I wasn't watching anything at the time. But anyway, uh, as I went through life in early teens and, and teenage years, I would call on these beliefs inside of myself and think, you know, I really want you know, I, I really want this to happen, or I really want to meet that person, or I really want to go to that place, or whatever things I was wanting, of course, very selfishly at the time, you know, very self-serving, like I want this or I want that, and and I would want those things badly enough and think about them, and, and I guess it, at the same time, I was taking action towards them, and they would, I, they would happen. They would happen over and over and over, and I would started thinking, I wonder if I can do this my whole life, like, do I want <laughs> Do I have magic powers? You know, I just really, I always kind of thought these things. Um, and I realized, of course, I don't have magic powers. I was just doing what every what everybody has access to, which is, you know, I was just realizing it kind of at an early age. And throughout my life, that's kind of just what's happened is I know, I and when you do that long enough, you build a lot of confidence in your ability to, to really attain or do whatever you want because you've done it so many times before. And that's what's so exciting about beliefs and life is that if you if you show yourself enough times over and over and over that you're able to achieve something or get something or 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 accomplish or overcome something you do that enough you do rewire your brain and your brain automatically assumes you'll be able to do it because it knows you can you did it before 
So um, don't you think that's, that's uh, powerful, you know, that, that everybody has that ability? Oh, absolutely powerful. And that's everyone, of course, has a small ability. There's something powerful about getting small victories, accomplishing small yeah. tasks in our life. Even in, a, even in any given day, if we've got a list of, you know, 23 things we want to do, the, the faster and sooner we get the first few done, and ideally the hard ones and not just the easy ones, the, the more momentum we have. And then yes. our belief about what's possible and what we can achieve even just for that day goes up dramatically. Exactly. And then doesn't it make life more fun? That's why there's never a day that goes by where I don't wake up and I think there's, I can, there's just endless possibilities today. Every single day has endless possibilities attached to it in, the, in my perspective. That's the way I wake up and that's the way I see things. It doesn't mean I don't get down or things don't bother me or I don't react to things. But in general, my beliefs are that I'm pretty... I get pretty excited about the potential of anything and, and it becomes almost like a fun game or like a challenge, like, well, you know, just setting different goals for yourself and, or whatever. Um, so, you know, now I want to, again, like kind of go into fear a lot because this for me, Terry, this is a topic I, I just can't seem to get away, away from when I'm working with clients. Uh, they're so stuck in a fear-based thinking pattern that they'll go, well, what, what if, or do you know when, or what does this mean? Or, or, you know, when you're working with somebody as they're healing, all sorts of things come up, but, but long before you, but long before they got sick, these fears and these worries and these concerns about these what ifs are just, they, they boggle my mind because I've never been, I have never been that type of person where I don't think about things that way. I don't ever think about what if I, even with kids, I was never a worrier. I don't worry. I just, I never have been that way. So it's sometimes very hard for me to understand why do people spend so much of their brain power and energy worrying about things that will never happen or that even if they did happen would never be nearly as bad or whatever they think they're going to be. I, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, because they be, because those nerve cells are fired together and wired together in the subconscious. Those are those are the patterns that have been constantly repeated and reinforced and repeated and reinforced. And there's nothing and no one consciously trying to break those patterns. So that's that's one of the things that comes to mind. Uh, but people need to remember that worrying has never solved a single problem ever, ever in the history of the planet. Like why? What a waste of energy. I'm not saying we don't all get caught doing it from time to time a little, but do you snap out of it? And then you say, all right, I'm the leader in my life. What can I do about it? I mean, I, you, you, you're going to get what you focus on. You know, Tony Robbins uh, has a great saying. He says, you know, listen, you, you, everybody gets their musts in life. Anything that you can totally deem a must, you can find a way to create it. If you're committed, you'll find a way. 100%. So. But if you don't must have something, if you see, see, Tony says most people, their must is they must pay their bills at the end of the month right. and they've got no goal higher than that. Right. And then every week, every month or whatever it is, they're, they're, they're struggling and waffling and wondering whether they're, whether or not they're going to make their bills right. because that, that's how low the bar has been set. That's I the know. only reason why it's there. No, I know. If you don't go after your must, you end up shooting all over yourself. Right. <laughs> Very good. What you <laughs> should good. do or what you should have or what you would like to have, you're not going to get your shoulds in life, but you will get your musts. 
And, and there's another great uh, Tony metaphor that I love. There's a great YouTube video if you can find it. It's uh, Tony Robbins on the race car uh, metaphor. His race car metaphor is fantastic. Years ago, he wanted to learn how to, how to study race car driving. And, of course, he's in this race car, and he's there with a professional instructor, and they're zooming down the track, and, you know, they're going at unbelievable speeds, and these turns are coming up, and when you're not ready for it, you have no idea whether the car can handle these kinds of turns at these kinds of speeds. You're inexperienced. You don't know if you're 10 miles over or 10 miles under that threshold. You don't really know where you stand. So, you know, fear and uncertainty and worry floods your mind as it flooded Tony's. You know, he's, he's going crazy about, you know, if I hit this car, not only do I, not only do I ruin, not only am I going to die, but I have to, I'm going to kill the guy beside me and I'm going to have to pay for the car. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you got all these crazy ideas going through your head and, you know, and, and the instructor had to give him a huge, a really bad time, but also a lesson, a lesson with a strong arm. He had to basically strong arm Tony by the jaw and force him to focus where he wanted to go because you were going to go where you focus. If you focus on the wall, you're going to hit it. And yeah. if you focus where you were going ahead, your nervous system is going to guide you and you're going to get through the damn term that you had to focus on where you were going. And I, he goes into this elaborate detail in the metaphor, but it's fantastic metaphor for dealing with fears in life. Are you staring at the wall or are you staring at where you want to go? Yeah. Well, so one of the things I like to say is, so why are you focused about, why, why does everyone focus on what they don't want all the time? And why aren't they focusing on what they want? So, and, and Terry, I literally have these conversations every day with people. I talk about fear at least four or five times a day with different people. Uh, and so uh, I'll give you an example. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and, you know, they're saying, well, what if when I get here and then this is still happening and then what if I'm like, yeah, well, that's a great question. That's a really great question. So like, what if in three years from now you're on a plane and you know, one of the bathrooms, you know, gets stopped up and then the shortest trips over and then, uh, the, the cabin loses pressure and then an engine fails and then, everyone dies but you and there's a parachute and then you land and then you're picked up by a submarine. I mean, that's how, that's how insane these what if <laughs> questions are to me. I mean, I could, that wasn't even a great uh, example. No, it was, it was. Cause you I took could, me in a story. I was like, where is she going with this? But that's great. Cause those people totally tune in and listening. Because that's literally how silly these what if questions are to me. They're so silly and I'm being polite by saying silly. Um, I just, I can't relate to them. So instead of the, what if this random situation that's never going to happen could possibly happen instead of saying that, why aren't you saying, I can't wait for this to happen, whatever that is, what you want. And, and the reason people spend so much time worrying about things they don't want is because they don't even know what they want. People are not clear on what they want. They don't even really know. They haven't ever taken the time part of, and again, kind of back to what you were saying is they've set the bar so low for their own life. They're just trying to make it through the day and they're trying to just pay their bills. Those are their big goals or maybe a once, once a year vacation if they have a little extra money. I mean, these the bar is so low for their human potential that they don't even know what they want. 
because they haven't spent any time or energy working that out and doing anything towards that. They feel trapped in their own thinking because the only prison we're ever in is in our mind. That's it. We're only ever in the prison of our own mind, period. You can be anywhere in the world and the only place you'll ever be imprisoned is in your mind. You're as free or as imprisoned, right, as your own thinking. So anyway, so that's kind of what I like to say is when you're focused on worrying, instead of focusing on what you don't want, what you're afraid of, what your worst fear is, why don't you turn that over into what you do want, what your most, what your most joyous goal is, or what your most, you know, the thing you're longing for the most. Why aren't you thinking about that? Just think about that. So that's what I, that's what I talk about a lot. Well, I, I think it's fantastic advice. You have to control what you focus on. You need to have a compelling future. There was a there's a great study done years ago on on mice, but it was a fantastic example of, of psychology. And uh, I'm gonna screw it up how I paraphrase it, but basically they they put two mice that were swimming in a tunnel, and one of them the tunnel was completely dark, and they want to see how long the mice would swim for, and then the other one they were put in this dark tunnel where they're swimming, but there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And for those who, uh, the mice that were in the ones with the light at the end of the tunnel, they swam something like, I was something like, I don't know, like 72 hours or something versus the 45 minutes. <laughs> you know, it was, it was some like 10,000 time difference. Wow. But when there was a light at the end of the tunnel, I read this study years ago, but it was huge. There's a huge psychological experiment showing that if you have hope and belief and something to look forward to, uh, you know, if you, have don't, if you don't have a compelling future, if you have cancer and you get a stage four diagnosis and you don't have a compelling future, yeah. there is no damn way on the planet you're going to get leverage enough on yourself and self-love enough on yourself to do all the things that are necessary for you to experience that compelling future. And why would you? If you've got impotent goals and nothing to stick around on the planet for, nothing that's really compelling and driving you forward, then, then you don't. And people say, well, you know, I, I, you know, I'd love to survive a stage four cancer diagnosis, but I don't have any money. Right. Well, hey, newsflash. Lots of people who were broke went and found the money yeah. because they had a compelling future. They right. fundraised, they, right. you know, they, they sold everything right. off, they started new businesses, right. they did every kind of creative thing you can imagine. They got resourceful because they had a compelling future that was worth them getting off the rest and changing everything about their life and changing and doing all the discipline and stuff because there's only one path out of a cancer diagnosis. There only is one. Everything else is like the illusion you see in the desert. There is the healing path. There's the only way out is to systematically deal with the multifactorial reasons for why you got there in the first place. And there is no way to get 100% of the results with 5% of the effort. There are no magic pills in life. Um, you know, sure, the odd person has won the lottery, but buying a lottery ticket doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't equal a financial strategy. Yeah. So you better have a compelling right. future. A hundred percent. And again, back to people don't even know what they want. So people who win the lottery think they know what they would do with the money and they don't really understand because they've never had it before. They don't really know what to do with it. And, and, and most of, for, I think the statistics on 
lottery winners as an example you just gave is really bad. Like most lottery winners blow all their money within a, a year, a few years. It's crazy. I think it's 98% are yeah. broke within, I think it's 24 months. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. That comes down to what do you subconsciously believe you deserve? Because if you believe yes. you deserved all that abundance, right. then you would have invested all the money, right. lived off the interest. You could have donated it, built all right. kinds of projects, did charity, did all kinds of amazing things with the money. But you, sub, your subconscious mind felt so guilty and unworthy of that abundance that you went in the most unthinkable. You spend more money in the next, in that 24 months than you had spent in your entire cumulative life than most people would ever spend in 10 decades. You spend it in 12 months, so anxious to get rid of the money to get back to the place for the abundance level that you deserve. That's right. Belief, and, beliefs in what you deserve. Beliefs in you know, what, what you ultimately want out of life. And honestly, spending time thinking and planning for what you do want, replacing these negative beliefs about yourself with positive thoughts in every split second that something comes into your mind that you're, you're worried about something. These what if questions, replace them with, what you do see for yourself, what you do want for yourself, having things to live for, having things that excite you. But that all goes down to these little beliefs every day, changing your thoughts every single day. You have thousands of opportunities a day to change your thinking. Thousands. That's what's so great about this process is it's never too late. You can always work on your thinking every minute of every day. I mean, you just have so many opportunities to do it. We're thinking all day long. So you can do it when you wake up, when, in the middle of the day, when something triggers it or when you get reminded or when, you know, when you're about to maybe do something that doesn't serve you, replace it with something that does. There's all these little, little tips and tricks we can add into our daily routine that get us out of fear mode, get us out of anxiety mode, worry mode, or lack of self-love. Well, when was the last, you know, so people who live in fear and worry, my question is, when was the last time you read a book that had anything to do with self-development, future yeah. planning, finances, yeah. anything to do with yeah. dreams or dream life? When was the last time you read an autobiography of somebody who led a dream life, who came from nothing? Yeah. Why, you know, if you're going to have thoughts that are going between your ears 24-7, and we all fall victim to bad thoughts. I fall victim to bad thoughts. I've had bad chapters in my life. We have bad days. I'm human. But at the end of the day, if thoughts are going to go through my head, I might as well spend some of my time controlling which thoughts those are. If you're going to hang around with five other negative Nellies all the damn time, what the hell do you expect you're going to – that environment's going to have an impact on you. Like you, the five people you talk to the most going to have a huge impact on you. If you're talking with five people who have big goals and big dreams, man, there's no way that some of it doesn't rub off on that you. There's, there's no way it doesn't. That has to do with spending time with people we respect, admire, love, look up to, learning from people that inspire us because that is what sinks in. It, it, it does wear off. It really does. It, ha it has a very positive effect is, is, and that's great advice is, is read books about people who 
come from nothing. I love inspirational stories. I never, ever get tired of hearing triumphant stories ever. I never get sick of it. I mean, um, so we only have a, you know, a minute or two left here. And, uh, you know, I just, I know you and I could probably talk about this on and on and on, but hopefully for those of you listening, this touched on, you know, maybe just a few areas that hit home for you. Maybe that, you know, you're listening and you can relate to some of what we're saying, or you don't, you know, you feel like you get stuck in some of these patterns yourself. It doesn't make you less. It doesn't make anybody else less or more. It just means, you know, what working towards a place of doing things in your life that add value, that serve you, that are for your greater good, that, you know, that add to your health. And that's what we want. That's what we want for anyone listening is to be inspired to make positive changes for yourself. And they can be done by doing very, very, very simple little things every single day. You don't need to do everything all at once. You can make very small little changes. Am I putting nutrients in my mouth every day? Am I eating high-density nutrients? Is everything going in my mouth a nutrient or a toxin or an anti-nutrient? Is what I'm putting on my body, on my skin, my hair, breathing in, drinking the water, the air quality, is it, nut is it nutrients or not? That's a good first step to, to ask. And that, that'll take you from fear mode to doing mode to empowerment mode. Because when you, when you start changing those things and seeing the difference it makes in your life, uh, it will just keep reprogramming your thoughts from fear or anxiety or negative to more positive or optimistic. Right. And, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll close with this. I mean, if you want a better life, and let's just take health as, a, as an example, because if you got goals outside of health, which you should, and I applaud you for, you're going to need the energy to get to them. And, and your rituals are what's going to get you there. I mean, my question to you is this, is if you know that you know that you know that exercise is good for you, when would now be a good time to give yourself permission to be worthy enough of taking 2% of your day to doing, let's say, a 30-minute workout? Yeah. If you're not sure which, 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 which rituals to start with, why not really simple things like I'm going to have a big salad a day, not like a little side salad, but like one meal a day will be a salad. What Another great ritual, one meal a day of all fruit. I mean, what are you, how are you going to start your mornings? What new ritual will you adopt that at least get your day started totally on the right foot and start breaking some of the old habits and patterns? Those are just great starting points to get you to a new place. What, what one chapter of what exciting book are you going to read that might get you dreaming about a better future and help you believe it's possible? That's fantastic. Well, this is, um, my recording is going to stop now. I'm out of time. And I just want to thank you so much, Terry, for joining us. I'm going to leave Terry's contact information, his website. And um, if you're interested in having him help you, he's got some amazing programs that will help you a lot. And I just appreciate you for listening and joining in today. And I hope this was helpful. And, it, and tell, leave comments. Tell us what you think about this episode. If you're listening on WordPress or SoundCloud or Facebook, just leave, leave comments. We'd love to know what you think and ask questions. And um, until next time, thank you so much, Terry. Thank you so much for having me, Noel, anytime. And I uh, look forward to doing some more in the future. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Thank you.